This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Kelly Smith, CFO of Replacements Limited, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. This episode, we dedicate to those wonderful metrics associated with your goals and objectives, key performance indicators, KPIs, those quantifiable outward-based statements of your efforts to reach those goals. Finance leaders spend a lot of time thinking about these numbers, and we'd argue few things reveal more about a CFO in their business than their favorite KPIs. Today, you'll hear from five different CFOs from five different industries about the KPIs they look at before their first cup of coffee each morning. We begin right after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. KPIs. They've been called the heartbeat of the performance management process, and every industry and every business gets to tailor and tweak them a little differently. But they all share the same goal, which is to make progress against the organization's strategy. We'll begin with a moving company. Any guesses as to what their KPIs might be? Well, here's Mark Elliott. CFO of Corrigan Moving Systems. We are in the moving and storage industry, and that is a, basically a service industry. Um, however, it's very capital intensive. Um, we own trucks, trailers, warehouses. Um, so one of the metrics that uh, we really need to look at when we're looking at our business is uh, uh, efficient a- asset utilization. Um, on a daily basis, um, it is very imperative that our dispatch department understands uh, the available capacity on the trucks and how to efficiently fill that capacity, you know, for profitability. They need, they need to maximize uh, the company's revenue and reduce, um, you know, deadhead miles, which are, uh, you know, miles uh, driven with no cargo on them um, on every single trip they plan for our drivers. Uh, you know, an integral part of the dispatch and the planning uh, starts with our, our sales force. Um, they need to accurately um, estimate the shipments 
um, whether that's in terms of cubic feet or weight, um, so the dispatchers can appropriately fill the capacity on the trucks. Um, regardless of the salesperson overestimates or underestimates, it has a significant impact on our dispatch department and the overall company profitability. On a, on a local level, um, our crews consist of, you know, a lead driver and supervisor, lead driver or supervisor, and several uh, trained crew members, which, you know, are, are typically general labor. Typically, the general labor is not paid as much um, as the drivers, and when we look at that, we want to look at our overall labor costs, very important metric uh, uh, for our profitability there. Um, we have to look at uh, the loaded labor costs, which is would consist of your wages, fringes, and insurances, et cetera, and we try and come up with uh, a daily composite rate, which is um, how much it costs us per hour for the entire workforce at a particular branch. Um, when we look at that, we can compare that against the revenue generated per hour. And, you know, it's up to the dispatchers, too, to put more of the general labor on uh, our job so we decrease our overall labor costs and increase our margin per hour. Our next CFO is Alan Hockey of ServiceMaster, which some of you may know is a uh, is well known in the residential community for services such as Terminix, the uh, exterminating uh, firm, the Merry Maids, and American Home Shield, among others. Um, and Alan does a nice job of summing up what is a rather varied business in uh, residential services today. Here's Alan. Well, I like one of your questions, which is, what, what do I look at? you know, before my first cup of coffee. And, and it, it works like this. My alarm goes off. I roll over, naturally, like most people, pick up my iPhone and spend a few minutes trying to focus on it and actually see it. The first thing I get in the morning is the daily sales report. Like I said, this is a recurring monthly revenue model. 80% nice. of our customers renew. But if that means if we want to grow, for example, by 5% a year, then we've got to regenerate 25% of our business in a, in a given year. And so... The rate at which we're doing that is reported daily uh, based on the previous day's sales. So we need to keep feeding ourselves at a non-diminishing and hopefully growing rate every single day of the year. And I, that, that's what I look at because that tells me lots of things. Um, if our renewal rate starts to dip, it means our service may be dipping. Uh, if we're not gaining enough customers, it means our marketing spend or our web presence may not be high enough on any given day. So the... That's like the, um, the, the classic health check of the business is the rate at which we both renew existing customers to become second or third or fourth year customers as well as bring in new customers. That's what I look at first thing every day. The most significant um, financial metrics that I use is the customer lifetime value. It's not particularly original, but it's taking a customer stream and mapping out the, uh, the net present value of each single customer by type. And that allows us to direct our marketing efforts to the customers at the highest um, um, lifetime value. And that's not necessarily the one with the highest first-year profit, which is why it's important to apply what is fundamentally a traditional investment discipline, exactly the same thing I learned in a manufacturing operation when building a plant uh, or investing capital. Our capital in this business is the marketing and selling dollars. And the Many of our businesses actually have the phenomenon where they have to, spend, have to spend marketing and selling dollars in advance of getting the customer, but there is a customer type on which we make a modest loss in the first year that has the highest lifetime value. And therein lies the classic 
need for financial discipline to make sure that we don't put our short-term goals of maximizing first-year profit ahead of our long-term goal of having the most profitable customer be the one that renews and stays with us. So lifetime value per customer per business segment. And that means I'll look at a termite customer, a customer who has termites, and a customer that has pest control, a home warranty customer that bought our services online compared to a home warranty customer that bought a home warranty by virtue of a real estate transaction, a mayonnaise customer, uh, and so on. So we look across those disciplines to ration marketing and selling dollars because they are not infinite, just like capital is not infinite. We were fortunate to speak to CFO Dave Cohn of Taylor Morrison, the home building uh, company. Dave was good enough to give us a nice overview of the home building market post uh, downturn. And uh, along the way, he shared a few of his uh, KPIs with us. Here's Dave. Yeah, you know, from a key metric standpoint, Jack, sales trends, uh, obviously, kind of at the front of the line. We're looking at that every day, every week. Um, but then, you know, also the basics, so return on invested capital, asset turn, uh, working capital, kind of the debt leverage. It is a, uh, uh, and high investment industry. And then, of course, the basics around the P&L and, uh, and EPS. Um, but I, I tell you, one of the greatest benefits I get is actually connecting with the, the field, uh, finance leadership kind of across our, uh, divisions. Uh, there I'm getting some of that, that frontline in, insight helping me to uh, understand maybe some of the trends that I'm seeing and some of the potential trends going forward. Uh, so kind of beyond the numbers, it's really that communication aspect with, with those living it on the front line. Uh, the numbers are simply the numbers. So I think industry to industry, there's not much different other than, you know, there are certain key metrics uh, that, you know, we'll focus on uh, in home building maybe versus uh, uh you know, retail. Some of the similarities would be, you know, revenue per square foot, uh, but some of the, the differences may be, um, you know, an average basket uh, price in uh, on the retail side uh, versus on the home building side. It's obviously more return driven uh, given the capital intensive nature of what we do. Uh, the next is I'm actually very big on data driven decision making. Uh, you know, I do like to run various correlation analysis, look at all the numbers, and uh, try to get to a point to see where the, the data takes us. Now, that said, you know, you always got to round that out with uh, taking in outside influences, and, and, you know, there's always a little bit of a gut there. But the goal is to provide better advice to, to make decisions. Uh, it's important to get there into the front lines because, uh, you know, if you're sitting, you know, in an office, you might not be hearing those important details or you might not understand a particular trend that's that's coming about. So it's best to get it from those that are living it every day. Um, you know, when I first got here, it was about getting to know the team quickly. Uh, since then, it's really about, you know, staying engaged uh, with the team and then consistently managing expectations, and that, that goes for my peers, uh, working with the board, and, of course, the shareholders. And then lastly for me, uh, it's communicate all the details until I, I build the trust level that I want. Uh, it's important for me to, to message, you know, what, what I stand for and uh, let people know how I want to lead. Well, Dave 
Paired is KPIs there with some good management advice as well. Next, we have Peter Kiviakidis, CFO of Squarespace, the fast-growing uh, website developing company. Uh, Peter gives us first a, a really nice overview as far as how he views his CFO role today. And then he digs in uh, to KPIs for us. Here's Peter. I had a very distinct vision that what I needed to do here was to help our, our founder and CEO, Anthony Casalina, to help him run this business, to provide him with the vital and, and essential information that would enable him to make very sound strategic decisions with respect to this business, and that that would be my primary role. My secondary role would be to alleviate from his burden any compliance issues, corporate governance matters, all the things that it takes to successfully run a company and navigate through you know, our laws and regulations and, and all of the tax code, to take all that office place so he could focus solely on running the business and doing what he does best. It was a very distinct view of those two roles. There are several key metrics, and they, they all could be described, except for one, as part of the subscription funnel, that being the landings to our, our webpage, the trials. We, we offer a 14-day free trial to anyone who, who wants to test out our service before having to pay for it. So trial growth is absolutely a key metric for us, as, as are conversions. From, a paid, from an unpaid trial to a paid subscription. And then we also look at churn. How long do we keep a, a, a subscriber? Uh, what, is that going up? Is it going down? And then the one metric that's not part of the funnel, per se, is the cost per acquired subscriber. That's a very key metric because it determines the efficacy of our marketing. And that's just not the channels in which we, we purchase advertising, but it's also our brand message, our brand image, uh, our, the, the quality of our marketing assets. So it all comes into the play uh, in terms of driving, hopefully, down our CPAS, and that's our goal, to drive that cost per acquired subscriber down as much as we can over time. One of the, one of the great things about being a CFO is that you have a pan-corporate view of the enterprise. You see all groups, all departments, beyond just the, the sometimes the provincial silos that exist in the company. And I saw that there was a need to create better communication across certain teams, including my own, my finance team, as related to our marketing team, and as it related to our, our design team, so that we could be far more coordinated in terms of the, the approval of marketing assets, uh, the, the licensing of, of mar marketing collateral that required licensing, and then the whole purchasing cycle of, of marketing spend and to make this process cohesive. So it was a case where I saw that there was the opportunity and the need to step beyond the bounds of what might strictly be con construed as finance to help coordinate the processes amongst these three groups. And it's something that, that stays with me today to be very diligent in being aware of these types of opportunities in terms of the need to do that type of thing, to look beyond the bow, so to speak, in terms of just the finance function and see how can I help bridge gaps between other teams within the organization, you know, whether or not it's my team is directly involved, uh, to help the organization continue to move forward in a very seamless and effective way. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. 
We have one more CFO who will be sharing their KPIs with us after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. We promised you some diversity as far as our selection of industries uh, for this episode. And so our final CFO is Rick Fegley of Smart and Final, the giant grocery store chain in the western United States. Smart and Final is a $4 billion business today. Here's uh, Rick talking about his favorite numbers, his KPIs. So the key metric in any type of retail business is sales. It all starts with sales. Sales is the true measure of how well you are resonating with your target customers. When they think of you and your top of mind, your sales will follow. And then on the cost side, we watch very carefully our product acquisition costs. Sales less product acquisition cost is the gross margin of the business, and that's a key metric, as well as all of the key cost metrics, labor cost, distribution cost, occupancy cost, and headquarters type costs. All of those are things that we monitor quite closely, and by keeping sales strong and keeping costs well under control, that provides a great business model. It's pretty much a truism across retail that if you add an item, you need to discontinue an item. The ability of the industry, in particular the strength of our systems here at Smart and Final, to track individual item movement both at a store level and at groups of stores gives us the insight to know what sells best and when a new good item comes along, what an item that we might drop from the assortment uh, would be. Obviously, we take into consideration a wide variety of factors before discontinuing any item because every item has some constituency among customers, and we really don't want to dis disappoint anyone by discontinuing their favorite item. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. 
We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening. Thank you.